when I'm living my life in gratitude, that drowns out those negative voices in my head sometimes. You can't live in resentment when you're being grateful. What you have is enough, you know, or if not more than enough when you're trying to live a life of gratitude. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and what an awesome, inspiring guest we have for you today. We are live from the Go Abundance event in Park City, Utah. And I have the pleasure of introducing you to Javier LaFianza, and he is the founder and CEO of Valiente Philanthropic Consulting, a consulting firm creating greater philanthropic impact for nonprofit organizations, corporate foundations, and high net worth individuals through effective strategic planning, fundraising, capacity building, and organizational development. They ensure clients' philanthropic efforts are efficient, effective, and powerful for donors, organizations, and those being served. The goal of this organization is to help clients apply the same level of entrepreneurial savvy, imagination, commitment to excellence to their philanthropic efforts as they do in every other aspect of their life. Javier, welcome to The Daily Helping. It is so great to have you here. Oh, it's so great to be here, Dr. Richard. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. I'd love to hear, because you're doing so much good in the world, was this something that you literally were hatched and this is at birth, what you were born to do? Or you know, did, is this something that evolved for you that you became passionate about? How, you know what? I think, I think it's one of those combination of nature and nurture things. So I, I grew up um, in a military family. My dad was a career Navy for 20-something years. So the value of service was very, very ingrained in him. Um, also in, in my family, I have, uh, several family members, cousins and stuff who have started nonprofits. So at a very early age, I was around nonprofit organizations. I was around, um, again, in the military, a culture of service. And I knew before I went to college, I knew that I wanted to be involved in a career that involved giving back and that involved service. So that's what I started to pursue. And I right away uh, out of college, started working in a youth leadership nonprofit, that was over 30 years ago, lots of adventures and experiences and stuff since, since then. But, you know, it's, I've never looked back, you know, it's really been um, an honor and a, and a privilege to have the opportunities that I've had to feel like I'm making a difference in people's lives, um, being, while also making a living and making a, a difference in the lives of my family. You know, it's so interesting. There's a stigma around this space. Mm-hmm. And... I find it interesting because my, my wife and I have a nonprofit that helps children. And there is a perception that if you're in the nonprofit space, you are going to be on food stamps, essentially. Yeah. That there's no way to make a living doing this, that you either have to choose, you know, 
have an income or have an impact. Yeah. But clearly, that's not accurate. Yeah, you can do both. I mean, don't get me wrong. A vast majority of nonprofit workers are terribly underpaid for the work they do and the impact that they do. It's just, it's unfortunately one of the natures of nonprofits. And having said that, as with many things, if you're good at what you do, if you have a good plan, if you know how to execute on a plan, um, if you're truly making a difference, you can be in positions where you're making that impact and also making a, a, a decent living. You know, we're not going to make seven figures, you know, um, but, uh, you know, annually in a year. But, you know, the impact that we have and the heartwarming stories and the lives that we change, you know, you, you wouldn't trade that for, for some of the money sometimes. So heartwarming stories are what everybody loves to hear. Yeah. Share a few with us. You've been doing this for so many years. Share some, some really big ones that have impacted your life. Well, I, I, I'll share one. Um, this happened at an event. It was actually a fundraising event. It was at my last organization um, that I was running. It was a youth leadership nonprofit. And this young man came up to me and he handed me a note and he walked away. And I still don't know who he was exactly. But when I got home and I was changing and I opened up and I found this note and I read this note and he talked about how I changed his life. And how I changed his life, it's just, it was just a simple conversation, right? Because he, we, we were at a, he came to one of our seminars he had come to ask me about whether he should join a, an AmeriCorps program or um, AmeriCorps is a national service program where people can dedicate a year of their lives to serving in their community. Um, and his parents and his friends, everybody was dissuading him from doing that. They said, no, you got to just go to college and get a job or whatever. Full disclosure, I used to work for AmeriCorps, so it was an easy thing for me to say to him to say, I think you should do it. It could really totally change your life. You know, it's an amazing experience. And when you're young, this is the time for you to take those kinds of opportunities, to take those kinds of, of risks. So he did that. And so then he handed me this note. He said, you know, because of you, I joined. Because of you, I started to realize my true potential. Because of you and because of our conversation, I now see that my career, my life is going to be dedicated to service. You know, because I had that experience, which I would not have had if I had not been able to talk to you about it. So that, I mean, that kind of stories are just amazing. They're heartwarming and really, you know, fill, fill you with some uh, inspiration to continue to go on sometimes, maybe when things are a little bit tough. So, um, yeah, so that's just one. Um, there's been other stories of young people. One of the things that I believe about leadership, and this doesn't, isn't just about young people, but leadership is not about power or position or title. Leadership is defined by your actions, by what you do, right? So if you believe that, if you buy into that, then things like age and ethnicity and socioeconomic status, none of those are defining characteristics of leadership. What is, is what it is you're going to do. What you do is your defining characteristic. So having said that and having taught literally thousands of young people this message, so many would then say, okay, great, I'm gonna go out. And they would start nonprofits, they would start organizations, they would really get involved in really a big way. So literally I know of dozens of nonprofits that kind of have started because of a 15 year old kid saying, you know what? I can do this, I can believe in myself and I can make a difference. So I'm gonna start a recycling nonprofit in my community. I'm gonna start a homeless nonprofit in my community. I'm gonna start uh, a nonprofit that's gonna serve people and helping them grant them their final wishes for, for terminal patients and things like that. So, you know, all those things and more. 
so awesome. And so if somebody's listening to this saying, either I'm not ready to start a nonprofit or, you know, I just don't ever see myself running an organization. Talk to us about meaningful ways that people can, can still make a difference. Oh, there's, there's so, so many. And first of all, I'll say, if you think about starting a nonprofit, don't. The first thing is there's over one and a half million nonprofits currently operating in the United States. No matter what cause you think um, that you have, I can almost guarantee you there's somebody or some maybe thousands of buddies who have already started something like that. So if you're thinking about starting a nonprofit, first do your research and find out about what is already existing. And then you can figure out how you can get involved in what it is you're doing. So one of the things I talk a lot about to people, particularly um, to high net worth people, is about bringing their full kind of spectrum of assets to uh, to uh, an organization. You know, so money is fine. Checks, they always need that. But sometimes people need more than that. Sometimes they need something different. Um, for example, so many successful people, maybe they're great at marketing. Small nonprofits usually don't have a marketing department or that much marketing savvy in their department. Maybe they have a social media person if they're lucky, right? So maybe somebody's sitting down and let's say you really truly care about, for example, well, you're, you're in your, your wife's nonprofit uh, helping kids, right? So maybe some of these kids' organizations might benefit more from two to three hours a month of coaching around marketing, you know? How do you develop a story? How do you sell your mission? How, are you targeting the right audiences? Are you using the right channels? You know, that kind of a conversation could make a greater impact in the long run for that organization than a $10,000 check. You know, it could be make just exponential amount of difference, you know, um, people bringing their networks into it. So again, particularly successful people, we, we all know many, many people, particularly successful entrepreneurs tend to have very, very big uh, professional and social networks. And you may not, you know, I may not care as much about your organization as, as um, you do, but I probably know some other people who I can bring to the party that says, you know what, you need to meet my friend, Dr. Richard here, because the work that he's doing is really amazing. And I think that you also care about kids in the way that he cares about kids and you guys could probably have, um, it could really have an impact. So playing that matchmaker and collaborative role is something that people don't always think about, but again, could have a greater impact perhaps than writing a $10,000 check or a $1,000 check or something like that. How has fundraising changed because of COVID? Well, it's changed um, a lot in some ways for good, in some ways, um, you know, maybe it will change back. But um, so one of the biggest things, obviously, is so many organizations had to cancel their in-person, any kind of in-person events. Those kind of events were kind of on the wane a little bit. So COVID, I think, kind of may have accelerated kind of the natural, you know, progression to, um, or decline of the, those events. But you can't do that that much anymore. I've seen some. I participated last week in one that was an online version. It's good. It's fun. On one hand, for the organization, doing some online events, you can make it's it's easier and you can make more money because you don't have as many expenses. But what's missing from that is the networking and the camaraderie and getting people in the room and sharing the stories more and things like that. So so that piece, that personal touch has really been missing in the last two years, you know, about how do we be able to really truly um, communicate the impact of the work that, that we're doing. So we have to figure out how to do that, right? Some of it is 
you know, one-on-one meetings is trying to figure out when people feel safe and how to do that. Um, and some of that is figuring out, again, I was talking about with marketing, how do we tell our stories in a way? I mean, everybody's online now, whether we're, you know, doing uh, Instagram or Twitter or whatever, or whether we're on Netflix or whatever it is that we're doing, um, everybody's online. So how do we get our message online? And unfortunately, that also means how do you distill it down into like, a few seconds, enough as a hook to get people interested enough to maybe um, click on the link or contact you to try to learn more. So yeah, fundraising has changed a great deal. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. I had the privilege of hearing you on stage the other day. So uh, one of the things that you said that I thought was pretty interesting was you put up on the, on the slide the term innovative fundraising. Yeah. Talk to us about what that means. So what I try to talk, when I talk about innovative fundraising, I'm trying to refer to, happens a lot in wealthy, uh, around wealthy networks, you know, where we might do almost like a horse trading, right? Where you'll say, you know what, I'm having an event for my kids' charity. Will you come and buy a table? And I'm like, okay, I'll give you $10,000 for that. But when I'm having an event for my environmental nonprofit, I need you to give me $10,000 for that. You know, So that kind of horse trading goes back and forth. Fine, it makes an impact. It doesn't make the real impact. So what I really am trying to get people when they think about innovative philanthropy, how can I make the greatest impact possible, not just on the organization, but to me, you know, because sometimes giving, we often get back in ways that's just really indescribable. Um, and the greater impact that you have, the more that that kind of comes back to you. So when I talk about innovative philanthropy, I talk about things similar to what I just said, you know, in terms of bringing all your assets to it, bringing your networks to it, helping encourage collaboration, perhaps helping too often nonprofits are stuck in this um, almost a trap that people only want to give to programs, right? I want to give to the, I don't want my money going to admin, you know, you should have a very low admin rate or what have you. Investing in the leadership and the management of organization sometimes can have a much greater impact than perhaps giving $25,000 to a program that's already operating, but being able to say, you know what, I'm going to help to fund you to go to some advanced kind of leadership training you know, or management training or help get you through an an MBA program and support, you know, some of your leadership to do something like that. So that what you're instilling in the, in the organization is this ability to um, be sustainable, really kind of in the long run, you know, it's that whole, you can teach a person to fish or you can give them a fish, right? right? So I like to think about innovative philanthropy in a way that in the long run is really we're, we're teaching organizations how to fish, how to be sustainable and how to be more successful in the long run. So I know that you've done a lot with youth fundraising, youth charity work. Talk to us about how we go about instilling the importance of giving back 
in young people because and there's there's data to support this that you know with social media and the focus on me 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 and instagrams and snapchat and what have you uh, there's a very large societal focus that it gets ingrained in children at a young age about focusing on themselves mm-hmm. what suggestions what advice would you give based on your decades of experience of doing this to help foster the desire to get back in, in youth oh it's really easy it's it just real boils down to this one thing just stay out of their way just get out of their way the the biggest barrier for young people's success um, in many things but particularly around leadership and service is that adults too often get in, we get in their way and we say oh you that's a great idea you can do that when you graduate high school or when you graduate college or when you're married and you're successful you know i mean so we put these artificial goalposts in front of young people instead of saying you know what you could do that right now i'll give you a particular example um sometimes uh there's this one young man and he really cared about financial literacy he really cared a lot about financial literacy if he said he wanted to start a business oftentimes we would, you know a financial literacy business we would say no you can't do that you're too young right but if he was to say look i want to teach i want to teach other kids about financial literacy or this one young man he wanted to go to the old folks home down the down the road and try to help elderly people make sure their taxes were being filed on time you know he was able to really achieve that dream because his parents were like you know what i'm going to just support you in that because financial literacy is important and i th- and you know pretty much what you're doing and we're going to be there to support you but not get in your way so the number one thing we can do for young people just kind of get in their way you know find out what they care about what inspires them where they want to make a difference and turn them loose and you'll be surprised at the results and so then you know the follow up question to that would be we turn them loose how do we support them oh this is, again very very easy oftentimes it's really quite this simple drive them to where they need to go <laughs> right um may help them to support them, making sure that they're balancing their time right so that they're still being able to be successful in the other aspects of their lives that are important in studies and academic and their faith life or whatever it is um and uh sometimes it's fundraising but sometimes it's it's not necessarily fundraising for them but telling them and supporting them that they can do it and not being the no person but being the yes person and helping them get to where they want to go and have that experience because fundraising is like a lot of sales positions we hear no a lot and one of the things that I, somebody told me a long time ago is that every no is just you're just that one step closer to yes the first time i had i made an ask for fundraising and i got a no i mean i was like devastated that that was something really really personal to me that they were attacking you know there's something wrong with me but i came to really come to appreciate the fundraising aspect of what it is that i do because really what i'm doing is i get to talk about causes that i really care about opportunities to really make a difference and i get to invite people to come in to help support that and more often than not i still hear a no but also more often than not than that it either leads to a relationship that's ongoing or it leads to another you know well i can't support you but somebody else can i mean good things happen when you just sit down and start to talk to people so helping our young people have those opportunities just to sit down and talk to people and learn from their own experiences that's some of the best things we can do let's talk about a few of those organizations that are near and dear to your heart tell us about some of the charities that you're putting your energy behind right now 
So I work a lot with, um, uh, it's called the Jensen Project that was founded by um, this woman named Janet Jensen. So she's been involved uh, for quite some time. She has her own family foundation since the late 80s um, that has supported a number of things. But the Jensen Project, she was very, very purposeful and thoughtful. And she's to me is like the epitome of innovation, innovative philanthropy, because she was very thoughtful about wanting to raise the awareness around the issues related to sexual violence and sex trafficking, as well as the solutions and the organizations are doing good work. So she could have done another private foundation to fund things, but instead she made it a 501c3 so that what's happening is more transparent, is more public. So she, she started that. And then she started to invite organizations to um, apply for funding. She Last year, she committed to give away $2 million to this process she calls the Grand Tank. She got so many good applications, she gave out over $3 million worth of support. And that's just in one round of funding. She's done other rounds of funding, and, and the year probably last year gave $6, 7000000 million away in support. All of it kind of her own money. But what she does that I really, really like, it's not just... So she invests in organizations at a significant level for multiple years so that the organization can focus on trying to achieve the impact they want instead of trying to chase more money to try and get this thing done. She invests in the leadership of their organization. So she'll invite the leaders to come in, the CEOs of different cohorts to come in and go through training about, say, how do you do good strategic planning? Um, how do you focus on your revenue generation? You know, how do you focus on collaboration? So she, besides investing in the program, she invests in the people that's there. She invests in the networks. She invests in the network. She brings other organizations together in a way so that other um, collaborations start to happen very, very organically. So the Jensen Project and Janet Jensen is just such a great example to me of innovative and impactful and meaningful philanthropy. Um, it's a new organization. There's opportunities for people to get involved. She matches donations that people make to, to the organization. So as I was talking about earlier, if people want to make a significant impact in this area, this could be an organization to do it because the work that she does ensures that the money is going to go to people who are going to truly make an impact with it. So the Jensen Project is really a great um, organization, a great example of what we're doing. Beautiful. I, I wonder, kind of flip the coin here a little bit and talk about, so you've been telling us all about the great things we can do and how to help our kids. Talk to us about pitfalls, things we should avoid doing, things we need to stay away from to be successful at our philanthropic goals. Oh, that's a great way to say this. So one thing that I really encourage people to do is, is have a focus. So if you want to say avoid a pitfall, I was talking to a company not so long ago and they said, yeah, we gave out, you know, X hundreds of thousands of dollars last year. I'm like, oh, great. Where did you give that to? Oh, I, I can't really tell you. It was about to about 1,500, 2,000 different organizations. I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of too bad because you probably didn't have very much of an impact. So having a really broad, diffuse kind of giving, I would avoid that. Focus on what is truly passionate to you, or if it's a, a philanthropy through your charity, I mean, excuse me, through your business, what's important to your business, what's important to, you know, your customers, focus on, you know, a couple things on what's truly important. So that's number one. Number two, do your homework and do your research, you know, ask questions, dive deep. 
you know, don't just give to an organization because they've got a good flashy website or whatever, you know, see really what they have done. There's, you can find organiza- data on organizations um, on their 990s as their tax returns that all nonprofits have to generally file. Those are public documents. You can take a look at those and you can see kind of where their money is going, ask questions um, because, you, you know, again, you want to make sure that you're giving to substance over style. You know, so really be be prepared um, in, in your giving. So, what if it's a new organization? So, you know, what kind of questions you can ask so that you can at least minimize your risk of giving it to you know, some kind of a scam or know that at least the money in some way is, is going to help. Yeah. So one thing would be to make sure you, you want to ask about their board members and maybe do some research on their board members or perhaps even have a conversation with their board members, particularly if you're considering a significant gift, you know, so you want to know, not have, not just see who's the front of the house, the CEO or the development person who's sitting down with you, but who else has been involved with that? So who's going to vouch for them? So, so to speak, you know, um, and are those reputable people, you know, are the answers to your questions making sense? If you're getting a little queasiness in your stomach when somebody, you ask someone you know, how they're going to use your your donation and, and you start to feel a little queasy in your stomach, you probably ought to trust that gut feeling and be like, you know what, maybe I need to move on. There are, as I said earlier, I think there's one and a half million nonprofits in this country. If you're not comfortable with the one that's sitting across the table from you, just walk outside and you're going to find another one that's going to really have that that impact you know talk to your friends about who they're supporting talk to people you know about who care about the same issues where they're supporting you know and perhaps you'll be able to create a collaboration um and a gift that's really going to make some true a true impact and move the needle on whatever that issue is so trust your nonprofit spider sense yeah yeah your spider sense. <laughs> i'm a comic book guy i should have said that yeah trust your spidey sense for sure so yeah so those are ways to take a look at it for sure i love that uh javier this has been so informative and i loved everything that you're doing and everything that you've said to us as you know, I ask everybody who comes on my show this one question, and that is, what is your biggest helping, that one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after they've heard our conversation today? So the, one of the most important things in my life is trying to live a life based on gratitude and trying to stay in gratitude and be grateful and can do acts of service. When I'm living my life in gratitude, that drowns out those negative voices in my head sometimes. You can't live in resentment when you're being grateful. What you have is enough, you know, or if not more than enough when you're trying to live a life of gratitude. So flipping that switch from the lack that, oh, I need to make more money to, you know what? I got a good house. I live, got a great wife. I'm doing great. You know, we have everything we need. I'm really grateful. Thank you for that. You know, just living a life of gratitude to me is the most important key thing that I try to practice every single day. I love that. It's, it's a common theme with a lot of the people on this show, and it's such an important way of looking at the world. Yeah, for sure. It is. And it takes, it takes practice. It is practice. Living in gratitude is a practice because so much of the time, maybe it's human nature, but we try to think about what's wrong with us or what we did wrong or what didn't go exactly perfect or what have you, as opposed to saying, you know what, that was good. I'm grateful for the opportunity I had. I look forward for the next one. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I I love that. Give us some links, some URLs. Tell us where people can 
find out more about you and or get involved in the charities you're working with? Yeah, so the actually the best way to get involved with me right now is through LinkedIn because I do not have a website. I, I've been getting enough traction with my LinkedIn profile at the moment. So if you go to LinkedIn and just look up Javier La Fianza, I think I'm the only one. Um, you can find me and shoot me an email over LinkedIn. I would love to connect with people as much as possible and be as helpful as I can. Fantastic. Javier, I loved having you on. I loved our conversation. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Dr. Richard. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And I want to thank each and every one of you as well who tuned into this episode. If you like what you heard, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, because the happiest people are those that help others. 